Welcome to Promised Land at Home Podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. We're going to be continuing a series that we started last week called Fear Not. And I learned this from... From uh, Mike this week, fear not. Y'all do that? Fear not. Yes, not, fear not. I was practicing a lot. No temas, no miedas. How many languages can I go? Let's just try this. Fear not. Uh, We're all going to be in experiences where there is trepidation, where there's anxiousness, where there's stress. And thankfully, we have a Bible that teaches us how to handle those situations, and we're going to read an episode in the Christmas story today. Um, I'm going to start in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to stop right there and just talk to you a little bit about what engagement was like in that day and time. So, you know, we have engagement today. It's where a couple will, uh, uh, someone be proposed to, someone will say yes. Then there's the engagement period. My wife and I had six months of engagement. I proposed to her on Mount Bunnell. Almost fell off of Mount Bunnell. Thankfully, she saved me. We're here today. But true story. But uh, proposed to her. Then we enter that six months engagement period. It's a serious thing, right, when you're engaged. But in biblical times, it was much, much more serious because they had arranged marriages. Joseph's parents and Mary's parents would have discussed and talked, and they would have set the engagement up. And it was much more firm and legal, actually. Even though they weren't technically married yet, it was still very official, And they practiced um, abstinence before marriage. That was the biblical pattern. And and so for her to become pregnant in this window of engagement was a big deal. Big deal because who made her pregnant? Why are they pregnant? I mean, all these questions, all these people would have been asking. And so Joseph becomes aware of that. And look what verse 19 says. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. He did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So even a quiet breaking of the engagement would have been a big deal because parents are involved and family members, a lot of people have known, but instead of him, I think what he's, the Bible's trying to say here is instead of him blaming her or, you know, casting stones at her, literally was the punishment of adultery that day and time. Um, instead of that, he was just going to say, hey, let's just get a divorce. Everything's fine. We'll just separate. He was a good man. I love that. And that's important because as we travel through this story and talk about fearing, I think it's important. You remember that a good man got into a situation That was fearful. So he was a good man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Verse 20, as he considered this, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So this is different from the story we talked about last week. In Mary's situation, an actual angel was in her presence with her. In Joseph's situation, he's dreaming. And an angel comes to him in a prophetic dream, says, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Fear not. Fear not what? Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophets. So I want you to think about just for a minute what was going on through Joseph's heart and mind as he's wrestling through this idea of divorcing Mary. And he's a good man, so he wants to do it quietly and privately. He doesn't want to harm her in any way, physically or emotionally. Just like, let's just, let's just agree. He's trying to do the right thing, but God steps in and says, hang on a second, hang on a second. That's not the right thing. You're going to marry her. Don't be afraid to take her as your, as your wife. And let's look at it in reality. There was, there was going to be fear either way. I mean, think about all of the condemnation of people either way because she's pregnant and he knows for a fact it wasn't him right because the bible says they had not had sexual relations until this time and so she's a virgin how could this happen and um he's wrestling through this decision how am i going to uh do this and and so People are going to hate me either way. People are going to judge me either way. People are going to uh, judge Mary. People are going to judge our son. They're going to say he's illegitimate. There was just a lot, a lot of things to wrestle with that he had to face. And it brings us to a very strong point. I don't want you to write down. If you're taking notes today, write this down, that God won't change his plans to accommodate our fears. So true. Okay? God's not going to change his plans to accommodate my fears. That that's, makes it really personal. My fears. If you're afraid of something that's happening in your life, there's a plan of God that he knows is right. And even though his plan is going to lead you through a season of difficulty, uh, he, he's not up there going, oh, man, I didn't think about that, Joseph. I'm sorry. Well, let's not do it that way. Let's do it a different way. That's not what God does, right? God doesn't change his plans because Joseph is afraid of the situation. Instead, God says, don't be afraid. Don't fear this impossible situation. On the other side of this impossible situation, a son will be born that we're calling Emmanuel, meaning God with us. You can face no matter what you come up against when Emmanuel is present, God with you. That's the message for Joseph, and quite frankly, that's the message for everybody listening to me today. Even those of you that are joining us online right now, that you, you can face whatever you're, you're coming up against in your world when Jesus is with you, when Emmanuel is with you. And maybe just another way to put it is it's worth it. 
It's worth it. God knows what's best. And what we said yesterday was, or last week was, fear not is God's invitation for his best in your life. Fear not is a, is a doorway. It's an invitation. Come on, let's go. Let's go to, to what's my best for your life. That's what God's saying. I've got a best situation for you. It's not your, maybe not in your mind, it's not the best, but in my mind, God's mind, it's the best. And fear not is the doorway into that. So, so that's a great way to frame it. Even though it looks impossible and difficult, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be scared about what you're facing. The biggest thing that Joseph was facing was people. You know, people's thoughts. Uh, you got her pregnant. You're marrying someone. You're marrying someone that got, someone else got pregnant. You're marrying an adulteress. All these thoughts that other people are going to have. And, and Joseph was frankly wrestling with: Do I try to please these people and try to figure out what's going to make them okay, or do I just follow God's plan? And it was a great proverb in uh, Proverbs twenty nine. 25 says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Isn't that so interesting, so profoundly different? So much, so much of the time we spend our life trying to appease other people. We get this one pleased, and then we go work on that one. By the time we get that one pleased, this one's not pleased anymore. We go back over there. What the Bible is saying is that's a dangerous trap because, frankly, in pleasing them, you might get outside of God's will just to please them. But safety comes in trusting the Lord. Honestly, the best way to say it is you should fear the Lord more than you fear people. You should deeply respect the Lord more than you deeply respect people. It's really, really hard and very, very rare to please people and God at the same time. So we're going to please the Lord here at Promised Land. We're going, to give, we're going to give God's way our best efforts. And what that means is we're going to go through experiences and situations that can be fearful, that, that can be impossible. So we, we feel this fear, and I just want to break down the difference of, of what it means to, to feel fear. Write this down. There's a difference between feeling fear and being controlled by fear. I want you to relax a little bit. If you have fear in your heart, there's actually a God-given fear. Like if you see a bear, a grizzly over there, you probably should be concerned a little bit. Not, I mean, you're not at the San Antonio Zoo. I'm talking about like you're out in the woods or something. Like in Texas, like in this area, you might see a mountain lion. Legit, you might see a mountain lion. You sh- your heart should start pumping, okay? That's given to us by God so it can alert us to, fear, to uh, danger and we can respond appropriately. But there's a difference between feeling it and being controlled by it. And frankly, I haven't talked to my wife about using her as an example today. Is that Okay. We go hiking, we go traveling to Colorado, to Seattle one time. We're going tra- to we're, we're go hike. Like, she so loves to hike. We go all the way to this other state to go hike in the mountains. And all of a sudden, we get out of the car, and she's like, I don't know if I want to go. Why? There's probably bears out there. I said, there probably are bears out there. But we came a long way to see a bear. We're going out there. There's a difference in being wise 
and aware of your circumstances and being controlled by it. And, you know, you, you need other people in your life to help you in that journey, right? I mean, sometimes there may be people that need a little more concern. <laughs> They're too far out there. We need each other. But there's a difference between being controlled by fear and feeling fear. Daniel in the Old Testament was living in a regime working for a government that was totally pagan-led and, and anti-God, anti-Jehovah. And it was actually illegal for him to pray and uh, he, had to, he had to wrestle with that, should I pray or should I not? I mean, he, he knew the punishment of praying publicly would be a lion's den, going to the lion's den. So he's thinking, should I go with the spiritual thing, the godly thing, or should I, you know, God knows my heart. I'll just pray in my heart and, you know, quiet. No, Daniel goes, you know what? If God has called me to do this, I can trust God. And so he pray, like he steps into that fear not. He steps in and through that situation of fear and, and prays publicly. And then he's led to the lion's den where God preserves him. Uh, another character, Jonah, he's told to go to Nineveh. He's so afraid to go to Nineveh, he's controlled by that fear for a while and goes out on a boat and the storm is raging and God's thinking, I don't want Jonah to end this way. I don't want him to die in the ocean. So God sends a great fish to swallow up Jonah and send him back to the land. Like, come on, come on, buddy, come on. I know you feel fear about going to Nineveh, but it's the place to go. You gotta go, step into that. It's God's plan, so step into that. It may feel fearful, it may feel scary, but you don't have to be controlled by that. You can step into that fear. Esther's another great, uh, another great character. We talked about her in depth this summer. There's a whole sermon online. You can catch it about Esther. She, she was from a lower class of people, same sort of regime as Daniel, same area of the country, world, um, in, in the Babylon area. And uh, she, she was um, the one person that was supposed to go into the king's presence to ask for freedom for her people and safety for her people, the Jews. And she frankly is like, no, I can't do that. She had fear in her heart. And then her adopted dad slash uncle Mordecai uh, says to her, no, 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 Esther, you've been put here for such a time as this. This is the moment of your destiny. This is the moment you're supposed to step into. So she goes into the king's presence. But she felt it. Thank God she had someone in her life to go, no, 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 come on, fear not. Fear not. You've got this. Not just because it's some good idea or some exciting plan or what. No, because it's God's plan. God's calling you into something greater. So there's a difference in feeling it and being controlled by it. So you can actually feel fear but act in faith. And that's what God is calling Joseph to do. You might feel that fear, but you're going to act in faith. The New Testament says it like this. God has not given us a spirit of fear. What that's saying is God has not given you a spirit of fear that's going to control you and inundate you, and you're supposed to be consumed by it. No, no, no. He's given us one of power and love and a sound mind. You're going to walk through that situation. You're getting to the other side. You have a test because there's a testimony on the other side of it. Come on, somebody. Yeah. 
He's leading you through that. God is showing you something deeper in that and more powerful in that. So I just want, I want you to get that visualization when you come up with something that seems fearful, whether it's people's opinions of you or, you know, uh, teachers, professors, uh, family members, church people, whatever it is, and they're, and, they're, and they're putting their expectations on you and putting their ugliness on you. I want you to just think, God has not given me this to live in, to be, I'm aware of it, but at the same time, I'm going to come through it. I'm going to pray through this fear. I'm going to walk through this fire. There's, there's a victory on the other side of it. There's Jesus. Salvation is going to be born in my life on the other side of this situation, this season that I'm in. Are y'all with me this morning? I want to I share with you a story of my dad. He shared with me this years ago and then reminded me of it. Dad, I know you're watching. Just hang on. Um, back in the early 80s, he was running a company that was a commercial framing operation. And um, he started with his father, who was a carpenter. He became a carpenter. Um, I started working for my dad as a carpenter and then ran from it. I'm the prodigal carpenter of the family. Um, In the early 80s, his company was really expanding. He had his first apartment complex job where it was like many, many units of apartments that he was gonna build. And he had 80 framers, carpenters under him that he was paying laborers and carpenters, 80 people. And he had some money saved up to make payroll a couple weeks, but it's a very thin line of cash flow. Like if anything happened, it was gonna be very tight. So he was working along, working along. Well, one day the general contractor came to him and said, something's come up with a payment to us, and so we're not going to be able to pay you this week, and we're not going to be able to pay you for several more. And so all of a sudden, um, you know, it's one thing for the owner not to pay or the general contractor not to pay, uh, but that subcontractor, my dad, he's paying the actual laborers. And the actual laborers, are not sitting in a you know, great office somewhere with a lot of resources. Their boots on the ground, and um, I know because I worked with them myself, they could get physical with you if you're not paying them, right? Like they're, it's not just like a picket. It's like we're going to take this matter into our own hands. So my dad was wrestling with that weight of what am I going to do? So he takes checks and writes writes them out and lays them on the floor of our house and all the bills to the, you know, people, the lumber providers and, you know, all the, all the different bills he has. He lays them out on the floor of our house. And I was just a little kid. I, I don't remember this particular scene, but he's praying for them, praying for them. And just like, God, I need help. I need something uh, because I'm facing, he's, he's like, what did I get myself into, right? This is a big, big situation. So he puts them all together, doesn't, doesn't hear from God, no booming voice, no angel. He collects all the stuff, puts it in his briefcase, and then just does what he knows to do, and that's to go to church. And it's very similar, I believe, to Joseph. You know, the Bible says with Mary that the angel left her. So now what? Now she's got to be pregnant. Now she's got to go, now she's got to just take one step after another step after another step. Same thing with Joseph. He wakes up from the dream. I mean, it's great when he's dreaming. The angel's there like, hey, God's with you. You're going to have Jesus. Okay. Wow. Then he wakes up. The angel's gone. 
Now what? I gotta live this out. He's gotta live out the situation. So what does he do? He's gotta get out of bed, get dressed, take one step, one day, another day. So this is kind of what my dad was doing. He was just, you know, collects everything, puts it in his briefcase. What's the next thing I do? I go gather with other believers and worship God together. I, we, go, we, we do this, what we're doing today. We do this in the good times and the bad times, right? Because we know when we gather together that God is with us. He inhabits the praises of his people that he's moving in. That's a whole other sermon. Okay, so he goes to church. He goes to the restroom before church starts. He goes to the sink. He's washing his hands. There's this man standing beside him washing his hand, which he knows fairly well, named Fred Hedges. And Fred is a kind of a scary older man. When I was a kid, he, he, he was always he, he was a stout man. Uh, he had kind of a lazy eye, and so he was always kind of, uh, you know, like this, you know. And so he's washing his hands, and he's like, how's it going, Rob? And uh, my dad's like, oh, you know, the classic response to when anyone asks you at church how you're doing, what do you say? Oh, doing good. And Fred goes, you don't look like it. <laughs> and... My dad say, yeah, so my dad opens up. That's the next step. Open up. He's like, yeah, this is what's going on. He tells him the story. Fred looks at him and says, meet me at the bank tomorrow, 7 a.m. So my dad, that's all he tells him. He goes to the bank, waits for the bank to open. Fred pulls up in his old beat-up truck. They go up to the top to meet with the president of the bank and the three of them, Fred, my dad, and the president are sitting there in the bank. They have a discussion. Fred leaves, and it's my dad and the president. And uh, the president of the bank says, hey, Rob, um, Fred has signed a guarantee for you that, that if anything goes wrong with this line of credit that we're about to give you, he's going to cover it. And what that means is you got to get your stuff in order. You're in the big leagues now, and it's time, to, it's time to, you know, put up or shut up. And so here's a line of credit. We're going to help you get through this season. And, um, and, and Fred, like he's not even here anymore. He's gone. Uh, Fred has covered you. That was an open door for my, for my father's business that from that point forward began to grow and grow. Now, there were seasons where the economy went down in the 80s, and he had to go to California and Virginia and different places to make money for my family. I remember that very clearly. I remember just my mom and my sister and me being at the house eating tostadas. That's all we ate for weeks because that's all we could afford. But believing and trusting that this is God's plan for our life, and we're going to be faithful in everything, and we're going to keep... Uh, being faithful. Every time we get anything, we're going to give a portion of it to God, and we're going to keep being a part of, active part of the family of God. We're going to just keep going and, and being committed to our local church. This, this, is, the, this is the habits and the, the discipline and the discipleship that was happening in this very, very difficult season. And then all of a sudden, in the mid-90s, he got the contract for, for Sun City and Del Webb and Georgetown and all of a sudden, the blessings of the Lord just begin to pour into our family. And then I'm going to tell you the rest 
of the story. If you're old, you know what I'm talking about. Last week, I told you the story about our church. So if you weren't here last week, there's going to be some pieces of this that you don't understand. But I was telling you the story of how we got into this property. And I really didn't tell you the whole story. So in 2005, we found this property. We couldn't afford it. And so many banks had told us no. But there was that one bank that told us yes. And you know whose bank that was? My dad's. It was the exact same situation, but the other way around, where me and my dad and the president or the, the local president of that prosperity bank sat in a room and said, I love your dad. I trust your dad. So let's figure this out. And my dad signed his personal guarantee and owned 20% of the loan that we needed because we couldn't have, we, we needed 20% down. The only way to do that was for someone else to give us that possession. And so he signed that note himself. The church signed the 80% note. And from that day forward, my dad never had to pay anything because the church, you guys paid it. We, we paid all of it every single time, every single time. But I wanted you to hear that story because you can come to church here and you can see other people across the aisle or, you know, well, that guy over there, he's different. Uh, he, you know, he, he, never had to, he never had to struggle. He never had an issue. She, she's perfect, you know. I wish I was like her. Every person, every human has to go through a fear not season. We all have to go through that season, and some of us multiple, fear not seasons, to get to where God wants us to go. And instead of God changing the plan so that you don't ever have to be afraid, his, his answer is, just don't be afraid, because I'm with you. I've got this. I know it looks tough and difficult. You're not going to make it, but you're going to make it. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't be afraid. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep waking up. One day, one day, another day. And in the midst of it, gather with other people. Pray with other people. And just be amazed when God begins to open up a door for you that you could never open for yourself. It's what the Bible says. He's going to open up doors that you can't open. He's going to close doors that no man can close. God is going to do something supernatural in your life. I'm telling you. But we have to go through the fear not season. I just want to close with this thought here. And that is, there's a lot of people right now that are doing courageous things that aren't biblical. And, and the context for their courage is whatever Hollywood's pushing, whatever Netflix or Disney's pushing. The context for their courage is whatever the schools are pushing, whatever agenda is out there. And I just want to make sure that the word is your context for courage. That the word, and last week I was talking to you about the word being the Bible, but today I want to make sure 
that you know that Jesus is the word of God. John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then verse 14 says, and then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And if you're not in this world of trusting in the word, I wanna welcome you into that. I wanna welcome you into trusting Jesus. He is capable of your life's situations. He cares about your life situation. The word of God is our context for courage. Jesus is our context for courage to face the fears of our life. It is Jesus. He's the answer. He's salvation. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he's trustworthy. There's millions and millions of millions of Christians and believers all over the world who are walking out their faith. I want you to, we've got some stats I want to put up on the screen. You can just go ahead and put all those stats up on the screen. Yeah, there you go. So 260 million Christians around the world are persecuted on a daily, you know, regular basis. Every month, 309 Christians are imprisoned unjustly. Every week, 182 churches or Christian buildings are attacked. Every day, eight Christians worldwide are killed because of their faith. And we in America are sitting here in such plush surroundings and our context for courage and fear is a whole lot different than those around us. So for one thing, let's pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. But I really wanted to present that to you because I want you to understand that the really the only thing that matters is what we do for Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that we need to be walking through fearful situations for. If you're, if you're taking a stand or being courageous about something that's not established or firmly rooted in the word of God, I wanna let you know that they, that might give you some momentary affirmation, but the only thing that lasts is the word of God. Jesus, salvation is the only thing that is trustworthy that has lasted from the beginning and will go into eternity. So would you stand with me this morning? I want us to pray right now. Go into the presence of the Lord. Everybody watching, join us in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to worship you, to praise you, to honor you. Thank you, Jesus, for being born as one of us, as an ordinary person. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much that you reduced yourself into humanity's shape and form to be with us and to suffer through the world's regimes and brokenness. Thank you, Jesus. Now we put our trust and our hope in you. If this is a new thing to you, it's very simple to join up with the family of God. You just say, Jesus, I trust you. I put my hope in you, Jesus. I wanna walk with you from this day forward. Why don't you say that with me right now? Just say, Lord Jesus, I want to walk with you from this day forward. Please forgive me of my sin. There's things in my life that are not of you, Lord. I just surrender them to you right now. Express that to him. I just just lay down that to you in Jesus' name. 
And I will not fear. Come on, let's confess that to God right now. I will not fear because Jesus, you are with me. And just as Mary and Joseph had the power of the Holy Spirit transforming their lives, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come now and transform our lives in 2022. Come on and be with us. Fill us, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody say amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget we want to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.